0: oh yeah oh yeah can I get up what's up enterprisers welcome to another episode of the enterprise now podcast where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur we talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success helping elite enterprises level up and maximize their brand I'm your host Elsie, the mayor now let's get to it All right, Max, first of all, though, let me just say thank you for uh, joining us. I'm super excited for our conversation. But before we get into any of that, can I get an oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so let's start off by sharing with us a little bit about your journey. How, how did you get to where you are as
1: we speak? LZ, I'm, I'm going to jump in a little bit before my story and just express my own gratitude on behalf of myself as well as your audience you are serving us, you are helping us, you are educating us, and uh, thank you for doing this work for all of us to get better. So I, I just want to open with gratitude. Now, a little bit about my story. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. It's not a brown season unless you've had your heart ripped out through your bottom. And uh, growing up, I was exposed to uh, a lot of different things, music, wilderness, outdoors. Um, I, I really had a lot of different experiences, and what I learned about myself was that I'm not an A plus student in any one thing. I'm very rarely like an A minus student in any one thing. I am B plus at all kinds of stuff, and that was that was tough in you know the public school system. If you just don't have this one part of you that really stands out, it's tough to make decisions about what to do. And over time, I've just embraced that and found ways to to leverage it. But I grew up in Cleveland. I graduated um, Shaker Heights High School in 19. 19- 98, go Raiders. If you aren't a fan of Tom Brady, you might have seen one of my classmates, Nate Clements, when he was playing for uh, Buffalo, number 22, one of the nastiest hits on Tom Brady that I've ever seen. I really found myself, LZ, in the out of doors, in the wilderness. So by the time I was 17 years old, I had spent 31 days in the Alaska wilderness, supported by bush planes. It was a wild trip and a lot of my, my story and my work is anchored in that adventure and that journey. But my love of the outdoors brought me to Boulder, Colorado, where I started off in the business school. Absolutely hated it. I mean, I lasted maybe two days, but that was the deal with my dad. If I get to go to see you got to be pre-med, pre-law, 3-5 GPA. You can get C's at Ohio State for a lot less money. So I started off in the business school. The coursework, I hated I could not stand it. I didn't like the people in the classroom either. From there, my fantasy was journalism, right? And I went to some journalism classes and the professors, I'm sorry, weren't great. It wasn't captivating. I didn't feel like I was learning. So I met with the dean of the J school and he said something really funny to me. He said, look, Puff Daddy didn't get rich because he went to music business school. If you want to be a good writer, read, write, travel, be smart. That's how Hemingway did it. So, okay, fine. And at that point, I was like halfway to a philosophy degree, this was my sophomore year. So I just leaned into philosophy and embraced it, not because I knew where it was going to take me, but because I just knew that the practice of philosophy was making me a better reader, a better writer, better thinker. It was like a workout for my brain in all these analytical, logical, creative skills. So I graduated with a philosophy degree. I spent a semester studying uh, literature in Ireland. I was surprised by my fondness for Irish poetry. And I think there's a relationship between poetry and branding or marketing, which is that it's kind of necessarily incomplete without the reader. Good marketing, good branding. When you see it, it does something, it interacts in your brain. But I graduated college, I took some time off to travel, and then I kind of surprised a lot of people, myself included, by deciding I was going to go to a for-profit mechanic school in the suburbs of Chicago, UTI, Universal Technical Institute. And as it turns out, LZ, I am the world's worst factory trained Audi mechanic. If you ever see me approaching your vehicle with tools, your snow blower that won't start, do not, do not let me fix it. Please. I worked at a dealership in Seattle, University Audi, ruined many, many cars. If anyone is listening and they had an Audi serviced in the downtown Seattle area, In the early 2000s, I'm sorry. It was probably my fault. But after just failing as a mechanic, there's just no way I was going to make any money doing this. Like, it was very obvious to everyone that 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 was okay. But I just, I said, you know, what am I going to do next? So I just figured with the mechanical knowledge, the philosophy, the left brain, right brain, I can do whatever I want in automotive if I really apply myself. That's the story I was telling myself at that time. And that was basically true. So in 2006, I moved... Back to Colorado, I found an automotive startup brand that was about six months old and I just convinced them to give me a job and they weren't really keen on it. But the first job I ever got LZ, it was an outdoor retail selling like North Face jackets in 95 when they first came out. And I got that job just by showing up every day for 40 days with my application. And I kind of use that same lesson here. I was just persistent. I think this is a lesson about the nature of B2B sales in general, which is B2B sales and services aren't designed to make your life better. So don't promise us that. Just prove to me that I won't get fired for hiring you. You know, it's risk aversion. So I proved to them that I wasn't a risky person to gamble with. And I was in that space for over 11 years. So I started off in sales and I moved my way up into marketing director, brand manager, and that was the first brand I built. And I learned I learned a lot of lessons. I had a lot of tremendous opportunities, but um, the hard lessons were kind of fatal for that brand. And it's a big part of my story and my motivation is to make sure other businesses aren't wandering in the dark, right? We don't know what we don't know. We don't know how to ask for help. All we know how to do is... Ask for help in the language that's already familiar to us. How much for a new website, to me, is generally a cry for help or a flashing check engine light. We know how to build websites. You know where to go to get a website. Why are you asking me? What's wrong? So I was in that space for 11 years, and I became unhappy. And I was surprised that I was unhappy because the work was fun. The owners were very flexible right? I was able to take a three-month honeymoon and go pack, backpacking in Southeast Asia, right? Pretty cool to be able to take that much time off. But I was miserable. And I worked with an executive coach. And what we realized, we, we worked together to create a value compass with four cardinal directions. And if I'm not going in any one of those directions, LZ, I'm doing it wrong for my personal or my professional life, right? And what I realized was I don't get satisfaction climbing the same mountain over and over again. And that's what my work was in automotive, It was the same, just variations on the same thing all the time. You know, I need new mountains. I need new experiences. I need new relationships. These are the things that fill me up. So that gave me the confidence to leave something that was very comfortable, that looked good. It was fun, had a big social media presence, had a lot of friends, had a lot of people wanting access to Max. And, um, you know, it felt good for a really long time, or should I say it looked good for a really long time, but it started to not feel so good. So. I left, I wrote a business plan for Wolf, and it is, you know, effectively the same. The fundamentals are the same today. Um, A lot of the details have changed, of course, but I gave that business plan to my accountant. She laughed at me, Elsie. She was mean. She said, this is not going to work. And I was like, shoot, you know, I didn't go to business school. I believed her. Mm -hmm. So then the phone rang, and it was one of my old friends, Gabe Adams, Blue Water Performance. Uh, Technically, we were competitors in the same space in automotive, but Gabe's just an awesome guy and we became friends and he said, Hey, can you do for me what you did for them? And I said, Yeah. And that was it. And we were off and running our first project uh, with Blue Water Performance. That was really the the brand and the project that that launched us. This must have been about seven or eight years ago, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. And gave me a lot of trust and a pretty healthy budget. And as a result of that project, Gabe and Blue Water Performance, you know, they doubled profit 12 months out. And it wasn't because of anything that had to do with marketing or new logo or great website. The process of that we put our clients through was rigorous and it allows them to better understand the own nature of their own work. And everyone that walked in that building actually knew what their job was. Their job wasn't fixing cars, their job was making decisions. And you need a clear north star to make good decisions. navigate. And that's what we're able to do for that brand. And after that, you have a great return on, on marketing branding investment. You tell your friends and, you know, the phone's kind of been ringing ever since. And we're really grateful for that.
0: Awesome. I heard you say in your story, that you were not an A plus, not even an A minus, but you were a B plus in a lot of stuff. So I wrote that down in my note. Talk to that a little bit, right? Because that's not uncommon. When I'm talking to other founders, entrepreneurs, a lot of us are really good at a lot of different things. So talk through that a little bit. Number one, when did you realize it? And number two, when did you weaponize it, so to speak, right? Take it and say, okay, this is how I'm built. This is how I'm wired. Here's how I use that to my advantage.
1: Yeah. So I I began to realize that probably, you know, around eighth grade or so. So the high school I went to at that time was one of the top performing public high schools in the nation for academics. And I had the benefit of having some really great friends, all of whom were much smarter than me. And I just started to notice that these guys are getting stuff and seeing things that they're seeing shades of blue that I just can't see. You know what I mean? You can just you could feel them just doing things differently on a different plane. So I really noticed it around middle school. And I think I really began to weaponize that, you know, in, in college. And it was that conversation with my journalism school professor. I thought I had to specialize. I had to pick, you know, one major and this is what we're going to do. Career path, training, specialization, focus. It just wasn't true for me. That's just not, those weren't my skills. Those weren't my gifts. And it was square peg, round hole situation. And that was really, I don't know how intentional I was. I tell myself this story now looking back in hindsight, it all makes sense. I don't know if I was that clear at the age of 25 when I said, okay, you got this, you know, analytical education, philosophy, literature, you can read and write. You're a good thinker. You're a good learner. Like you know how to learn. Why don't we go pick up this other skill set and let's combine them, right? Who amongst you uh, in automotive is going to have a resume that looks like that? So just embrace the jack of all trades and combine two of the right things together and make that what your brand is about. Make that about what your skill set and resources are about.
0: You also talked about your journey through, I think uh you said philosophy, journalism, mechanic. That's a lot of different things. But I think that the cool part about that is it helped you discover who you are, right? And help you gather skills as you went through those different phases that help you in your your business today, would you say?
1: So the way in which I've incorporated these different experiences into my business, I think the mechanism is storytelling, right? So that's how I weave all of this in and leverage it into a structure and a system. So my job title Yes, I am the CEO and founder, but that's not helpful for me. That doesn't tell me what to do. What it says on my business card is Sherpa. If you are lost in the woods, quit hiking. You know, if you find yourself in a ditch, quit digging. So it's part of the process we take our clients through is helping them to read the map, giving them more information so that they can make the right decision. That's the cool part about maps. If you don't like the path you're on, you can change it, right? So we've really incorporated mechanical business outcomes diagnostics where it hurts probably isn't the source of your problem, right? These are automotive concepts that, you know, we've applied to understanding our clients' pain points and helping them to understand that. LZ, if your back is sore because your snowblower isn't working, your back isn't the problem. The reason your back is sore is that's the thing doing the most work. The problem is probably somewhere else. And that's also true of our businesses. And as the Sherpa You know, I've done this before. I've climbed mountains. That's what we do with our clients. We get up above the clouds so that if they're lost, if they're frustrated, if their brand isn't going where it needs to go, we drop our packs and we survey the competition, take a deep dive on their audience, look at their brand. And my job as a Sherpa isn't to be right but it's to keep everyone together on this journey. Because if I'm way up ahead looking at this beautiful view and they're down there stuck in the creek having a bad time that clients don't like, That doesn't feel good. They don't feel safe anymore. So I've really tried to weave a lot of my different experiences together because to me, we relate to brands the same way we relate to people. Brands are living things. They're mechanical. They're also creative and poetic. And you really do need to have some of these different skills to be able to relate to people To help their brand.
0: So you mentioned when you were at the, uh, I believe it was the automotive stop along your journey, there were some mistakes that they made in terms of branding. Are you open, willing to sharing some of those? Absolutely.
1: These are lessons that I think about hourly that I'll never forget. The biggest threat to any brand is growth and success. And the more of it, the riskier it gets. When you have success without a strong foundation, self-awareness, understanding. It doesn't have to be brand strategy. That's what I call it. But it's really just about understanding your brand and your business, telling yourself the truth about things. Most of us just don't do that anymore. But when you have that success, it's like building a skyscraper in the sand. The taller it goes, the harder it can fall. And the thing that I'm so proud about that automotive brand was that we set the bar. We define the market. Every other shop, in my opinion, and in my experience, we were the gold standard. You were, you were above us or you were below us or you were near us, but we were the brand to beat. And in the early days, it was fun and we were passionate and we were all there. We were all motivated. We were all highly aligned. There were some holy beliefs that we all shared, but we didn't know what they were. We didn't write them down. We didn't talk about them. We weren't intentional. It was happening. The magic was happening. This happens so often in startups too, right? We're all here. It's kind of this, a lot is happening that's unspoken or subconscious, right? And then we get successful and then we have to make decisions and we aren't really prepared to make them. So over time, the team meetings, this was really the place where you could see the problems bubbling to the surface. We were listening to the owners and we're all just kind of kicking ourselves under the table like, why won't they listen to us? Because the conversation had shifted from, are we doing the right thing? things to take care of our clients the right way to we need to sell more of this, more of that, more of that. It went from a focus on our North Star and the thing that made us successful to profitability and revenue. Because as we grew over time, the brand grew up, we moved into this unbelievable facility with all this overhead. And I get it. It makes sense. We had more and more bills to pay. And that's also the problem with automotive too, To make $100, dollars you got to spend $99. It's expensive. It's risky. And that was really it. So I think the lesson here is never, ever forget the reason why people bought from you in the first place. You can never lose sight of that. It needs to be bottled. It can change. Brands grow. They're like people. But you can't lose sight of that because the minute you do, you're just chasing money. And that's the thing that brings it all down. The point of a business actually isn't to make money. All businesses do that. You are not special. It's the how. The how and the why are way more important than the what.
0: Mm -hmm. What kind of mechanisms do you have in place to make sure that you're mastering Max? Say more about that question. I like it, but I want want to hear a little more. Yeah, I mean, just from our time together, I gather that you're a person who you're self-motivated, you're self-aware, i right. Because you told me that you're B plus at a lot of things. So, you know, you know who you are. You know who you are not. I'm curious to unpack that a little bit. What was that journey like? What were some of the moments or the, the mechanisms that you have applied to help you maintain that awareness and that knowledge of who you are? Right. Because I heard you mention losing focus on North Star. All of that is all gathered around personal mastery, right? Because when you know who you are, you know why you are, you know where you are, right? And so I'm just curious to know, give us some insight on what personal mastery looks like for Max.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing that I'm aware of today, Elsie, is that boundaries have been the biggest hurdle in both my personal and my professional life. And I was completely unaware of that until I started working with you know my first business coach. And It shows up in relationships. It's very difficult to buy brand strategy, to sell brand strategy. It's tough. It's tough to price it. I became aware of the fact that I'm a huge people pleaser. It's just true that you don't have to love the strategy or the creative, but I really have a a need in myself to get like an attaboy from the client. And I'm just aware of it. But I, I think the personal mastery really just boils down to one thing, and it's truth right? You just have to be able to tell yourself the truth about the stories in your head. And most most of us just can't do that. And sometimes it really helps if you have another person there. So part of my ability to tell myself the truth was working both as a mentor and a mentee, right? Accountability, partnership, brotherhood. I need people in my life to tell me, you know, when my stuff is stinking and when it's not, right? And I and I'm intentional about listening to them. So, you know, I think all of life is just walking each other home from the bar. And, you know, I'm really grateful for just the foundation of experiences I've had. But I think really my ability to leverage the truth for my personal and professional success you know, really comes from the other people in my life and the gifts they've
0: given me. What makes your business successful? Because there's a lot of people that have businesses. There are people who, you know, as we speak... starting businesses. But as you know, most people don't succeed at business. So what makes Max different? What have you done and are doing differently that makes you successful? Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're doing a
1: a few things. I don't think they're necessarily unique. I think other people are, are also leveraging these ideas. But one is just the foundation of our business model, right? I grew up in automotive. And as a result, I became allergic to overhead, no brick and mortar, no spoilage. I can't tell you how much it costs when like the wrong 10 cent part shows up. You know what I mean? So I really, I wanted a business model that was lean, that was efficient. That was, I wanted the output to be things in my head, right? I wanted to sell IP. So we have a, a very small you know, junior in-house team. If you look at our website, it looks like we're this huge agency. We're really more of a collective. It's kind of hard for me to wrangle that in my own brand within my own brand, but we have great talent. We have great people here. Big shout out to Trace, who really serves as our creative art director. He's in Memphis, right? He's not in Colorado. He's 15 years older than I am. He's won a thousand awards, right? And he's not right for every client's project, right? Some people have different budgetary guidelines, have different strategic needs. In Colorado, there's a lot of cannabis. You know, there's a lot of cannabis business. And Trace is a man of faith and he just won't touch it. And certainly I would never talk him into it. So if that's the case, then we're going to call Jeff Thomas a juice works and he's going to sit in that seat. And he's got tons of cannabis experience. So it's our approach to I think our collective team, but it's the yin and the yang. I have my own kind of sense of style and approach and strengths as a creative. And I think I can feel risky if you are an older, conservative been there, done that type of business owner. But when you get me and trace together that that yin and the yang, I think it becomes very desirable in kind of a madman type of way. We're just aware that we have some juice and some flavor, and I think like sometimes that's what people are really buying from us. So understanding you know more about the essential nature of our own business allows us to succeed. The the other part of that is just the nature of complex sales. I'm always surprised how many people have just not thought about this and it's not their fault, but complex sales to me is low volume, high value and your marketing techniques and mediums need to line up to the type of business you're running. If you're running a large volume, low margin consumer retail business, you need a lot of net tactics Right. You need a lot of digital, but if you're B2B and you've got a small team, it's about networking. It's about relationships. It's about being very tactical and intentional with how you grow your circle of influence, how you create communities, how you participate in communities and how you be. On LinkedIn,
0: got it. So, where do you think you're growing as as an entrepreneur? A lot of times, I know myself; I'm guilty of it, right? I, I have these big, big dreams and big visions, but I'm curious to know in the next three years, what does Max the entrepreneur? What does that look like? I would say our focus
1: right now is productization. The method, the tools, the process; those aren't changing, but we have to package things to make it easier to be bought and sold. So one of those products is called brand therapy, and it's no different than, you know, other therapy. Like, why would you go to a therapist? Because something is happening that's you don't like, or you don't understand, or, or you want to change, and you're ready to deal with that, but you don't know how or what or where, we'll do that for your brand. And it's a great place to start and... It allows business owners to feel confident making decisions, to feel supported. A lot of times, especially in large organizations, no one wants to say, We have no idea what's happening with marketing. None. But this is a safe place to be like, Oh my God, I don't like, I really, we don't have any marketing structures. How do we do this? You know, we'll figure it out. The other is um, a product that we're still trying to bring to market or at least put on the website, but it is a creative messaging workshop. So you don't need us to do your marketing we don't need to reinvent the brand but you know when it's time to start running ads and feed the team members or the vendors or the people that are running your ads and, and doing the kind of tactical marketing execution those are not the people that should be writing the ad copy i'm sorry you need to give the, you need to show up with the right ideas so within our creative messaging workshop that's the idea is just to get you know, you don't need a new website. You don't need finished pieces. You need a war chest of copy and content and concept for the tactical marketing team to execute.
0: Got it. So let's talk tactical a little bit. If you're open to sharing, what are some of the the tactics that you guys are incorporating? Um, I'm assuming you guys are mostly B2B? Podcasting. I'm so bullish on podcasting. And,
1: you know, here's a little story about why. I believe that podcasting is... I hope it's not a pejorative term, but it's like a Trojan horse concept, right? If you're trying to get your B2B brand off the ground, here's the one thing that will get you wherever you need to go. It's not about competing with Joe Rogan. It's actually about the minimum viable audience. So when we started podcasting, we interviewed um, our business coach at that time. Uh, Her name is Jamie Rowe. At that time, Jamie um, was working for... Cultivate Advisors, which is a brand in the US and Canada. So we interviewed Jamie because Jamie's awesome. And she taught us so much and we captured those lessons and we talked about Jamie. And then we talked about how the Cultivate brand works and how they get into these quorums and how they support each other and how, you know, if you're a client there, you get support from all these different angles. And all these things were true and helpful. Right, And so we sent it to Jamie. She's like, oh my God, we love this. She sent it to the CMO. She's like, oh my God, we love this. And then what does she do? She distributes it to every business coach in their organization and says, listen to this, put it in front of your clients, put it on LinkedIn, share it. This is good for you. This is good for us. This is a blue ocean tactic, right? So that podcast, I think it got forth 4,000 impressions or downloads or something. Like it just got this, you know, this huge spike in engagement. And that is perfect for us because if you are a person that is working with a business coach, right? You're confident, you're upwardly mobile, you're investing, you are growing. You have someone else there saying, yeah, you probably need to work with someone like this. That's a great funnel for us. So podcasting, absolutely. The other is just being vigilant and structured in our approach to networking and LinkedIn. Okay. So I was for years on, I served on a board for a group called the Colorado Thought Leaders Forum. And it, it's about servant leadership. It's about networking. Certainly it's about helping other people to give first mentality. But when someone brought a guest to the room, most people would just, hi, shake hands, nice to meet you, get a business card. And that was it, right? I got other things to do. Freaking way. I'm talking to this person. I'm being curious about them. I'm setting up a one-on-one, right? We are finding ways and opportunities to not sell to each other, but who do you need to know, right? So I invite all of my people in my network, please stalk my LinkedIn page. If there's someone on there that could be helpful to you, don't just send me one or two names, send me 40. And I'm going to do the same for you too, because just like Facebook and Instagram and everything else. I got fake friends. on. I have no idea who this person is. Or some of these people just won't be a good fit, but just being really intentional about using LinkedIn in that way and expanding our circles of influence and being intentional about giving first and servant leadership. Do the same thing with Google reviews. I want people to give me a review. So what do I do? I leave them an amazing, wonderful, colorful, honest five-star review. They're like, oh my God, that was great. Awesome. Do you mind doing it for me? Yeah, no problem. So um, those are some of our fundamentals and they're pretty easy to execute on.
0: Got it. What other platforms do you guys play on? Um, I heard you say LinkedIn and are you guys also on Instagram?
1: We're on Instagram, but we're kind of, uh, I think we're trying to scrap everything that's on there and, and reboot it. Our brand doesn't get a lot of traction on Instagram and we just haven't promoted it. A lot. When I was in automotive, I was kind of a big personality, and I had a big social network, and it became as much about me bringing in people as the brand. And that's kind of true as a brand wolf as well. So I have to be careful about you know max versus brand wolf. But it's almost that you know my personal accounts are more effective than the brand account.
0: So what other ways are you guys leveraging the podcast? I heard you say uh, building relationships, but give us uh, some tips on people are listening to this. A lot of folks who listen are founders, they're business owners as well. And I, I preach it from the mountaintops, Max. I say, if you're in business, especially B2B, you shall have a podcast. But people don't believe me when I say it. Maybe it's because I'm the the mayor of podcast town. But maybe if they hear you say it and some of the things and the results that you guys have gotten, maybe then they'll they'll listen, Max. That's exactly right. So,
1: for example, I told you that story about the podcast episode. I think that was our second episode with Jamie Rowe. What we wanted were more direct referrals from her clients. We knew that Jamie was out there working with other upwardly Mobile businesses. She had given us great referrals, but we didn't want the onus to be on Jamie to just give us referrals. We wanted other people to reach and press the button and say, we want to work with him too. How can we do that? So it's being very intentional about understanding who is in someone else's network. How can we assemble? How can we gather the others? That's a Seth Godin phrase. Gather the others and serve them give it away as much free information as you possibly can. But just being very tactical about it, we create the podcast in a way that makes the other person want to distribute it, right? There's some elements of giftology in there, right? Give them a great gift. The other more tactical conversation about podcasting is that it gets you kind of every form of media that you need just from the audio, right? Video is really expensive to produce. We all know this. We also know it's it's really powerful, right? But today there are new tools that so many business owners don't know about. So you record your business owner. Maybe it's not even a podcast, but just record yourself getting on your soapbox. Give us 30 seconds of your most concentrated, valuable, helpful information, right? Mix it down so it's it's not noisy, doesn't have to be perfect. And then go onto story, create an account on Storyblocks or a site like that where you can pull in royalty-free content. And guess what? Now you have video. And the same is true with with all of your podcast promo reels, sizzle reels, things like that. You know, one podcast episode can generate 100 promo pieces if you choose to chop it up like that. Additionally, if you're in B2B and you're selling services, like how do people buy this stuff? They don't come to your website and open up their wallet and give you 20 grand. It's a relationship. They they need to know you and trust that you're not risky and that you're the right person type of solution for what they need, because it's tough to buy any B2B service. When we put on pants, we know if they fit or not. How can we tell if this IT team is the right for us, if this you know marketing agency is the right fit for us? So even if you're not actively podcasting, having that content on your site, having it be findable. If a client comes to me and they've been on the website and they've listened to the content and they're telling me that they did, they are so much Further along the path. It is such a warmer lead. And it's helpful because we're trying to help them. Marketing is the process of disqualification. Marketing is the process of saying no to everything and yes to the right
0: things. 100% agree. If you had to give insight advice to fellow founder out there, just about marketing in general,
1: what would that be? Your symptoms might not be your sources. Like that. And if you are serious and intentional, then there's only One step LZ to solving all of your problems, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. This might actually be the secret to life. You tell me, but it's decide to decide. Hmm. If you can commit to that first step, everything else will happen, right? How do we eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do we go from working in an ammunition factory to being the mayor of podcast time? It's getting to the next step and telling yourself the truth, right? So if you decide to decide that my marketing is a problem. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to tell myself the truth about that. I am going to bring in people that can help me and I'm going to listen to them and let them in. All those are the details. So decide to
0: decide. That's really good. And uh, so, for people who are listening, Max just said to go from working in an ammunition factory to being the mayor of podcast town and on the surface that just seems like something that max just said but when i heard him say that what that signaled to me is that max did his homework Because I did not tell Max that that information. So Max heard that information from somewhere or read it from somewhere. So kudos to you, Max, for uh, dropping that little nugget of training slash coaching to folks who are listening. Uh, When you go on a podcast, do your homework because it makes the guests feel great that you – are paying attention. So thank you, Max, for doing your homework and teaching that lesson. And you guys can't
1: see it right now, but LZ is flashing these beautiful pearly whites at me that he's been hiding this whole time. And being intentional doesn't cost a whole lot. It doesn't take but a minute to click on the site. Just, hey, I'm going to just read and take some notes. Yeah. And cool, cool. it's just like dating. How do you want the other person to feel about you? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. Well, Max, I could talk to you forever, but at some point we have to say goodbye. If people want to learn more about you, about your your business, your brand, how can they do that?
1: Go to brandwolf.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-W-O-L-F-E.com. We revamped our website last year. I'm incredibly proud of I'm proud of it. And some of the work that we've done specifically on our own brand values and the, on the story page of our site, read it. And Think about if that's something that if you want to tell your story in that same way, and it's not about doing business together, although I would love to hear from you, but we built our our website with great intention, and I hope people can refer back to it as a tool for building their own website, whether it's with us or without us. Very cool. Thank you so much for your time, Max. Elsie, again, so grateful to be here. This was fun. And again, on behalf of myself and your audience, thank you for serving us. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your podcast and personal mastery. We are all grateful.
0: Cool. Thanks. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern?